Welcome, everybody, to the Jump Music Initiative podcast. Um, we have with us today Amy Bishop here, and we're super excited to have her and uh, chat with her. Um, Amy is a Calgary-based singer-songwriter, and in the last few years, she's really gained some notoriety uh, from her time starring on CTV's The Launch. Uh, she has collaborated with such artists as Moby and Nikki Six of Motley Crue fame. So she has a lot to talk about and really, really cool perspective on things. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Can I, let me start off things, if you don't mind. Um, I, can, can you give us a little bit of, uh, of background on um, where, you, where your career started and maybe how you got into gigging at all? Um, my career started uh, at karaoke. I mean, I was a church choir kid, like my dad was the church choir director. So I guess that might be where it began. But actually, where I started making money was winning karaoke contests. And that's kind of I would go out and find a karaoke contest. And, and I had two songs that always, uh, always were well received. And I would win um, many, many times. I paid my rent several months of my early early years in my 19 years, 19, 20 year old self. Wow. And then um, I joined a band. We were called Mississippi Steamboat. And I fell in love with the flexibility of being, you know, having instruments and everything else live. When you're playing with tracks, you are stuck to those tracks. You're playing these songs. It's this many bars long. Here's the solo. There's no room for, oh my gosh, you're doing such a great solo. Let's keep going. And, uh, and so um, at that point, I thought, well, I should probably learn how to play an instrument then. Uh, because I, at that point, I, w I only sang. And so I decided I would, I would learn how to play the guitar so that if the band ever died, I wouldn't have to go back to doing karaoke. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. So you just, you just picked up the guitar. Uh, how old were you when you picked up the guitar? Mm, I want to say 26 or so. Oh, I, see. Like, I think it would have been... Uh, maybe in 1999 or 2000. So it's about 20 years ago. I see. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, when I was a kid, I had a, I, my father taught me a, a couple chords like D and A, and I think G, I think I knew three, three chords. And so I wrote a lot of like, but I, I, I wasn't good. It was just a matter of, you know, um, I never really stuck to it. But when I realized that if I would be left to tracks, if I didn't have a, people to play with, mm -hmm. um, I was like, nah, I was, I was like a dog with a bone. I had to learn how to play. Mm -hmm. Awesome. While we're on the subject, what were the two karaoke songs? <laughs> um, one of them was I Could Have Danced All Night from My Fair Lady. Mm. And the other one was Born to Be Wild by Stephanie wow. Wolf. And I did them both in opera voice. And I had a costume, my mother and I made um, a costume out of tinfoil and chicken wire, like a breastplate <laughs> and the helmet with the horns. And uh, I would dance around this and just, I would have danced. It was not good, <laughs> but it, it, got a, it got a reaction. And people were like, well, you're only win because you have a gimmick. Well, you're singing a Garth Brooks song and you have a cowboy hat. So I think we're in the same. <laughs> we both have gimmicks. Mine just makes people laugh. Like nobody's going to forget that woman running around the stage screaming, you know, born to be wild. You know, like, and so that's it. I didn't win because I was better than everybody. I won because I was 
over the top. <laughs> well, you know, I know humor has always been, uh, sorry to jump in, Maddie. It just kind of just occurred no to worries, me. Yeah. You were say something. But I, I think has humor always been a part of your music and, and, and how you connect with audiences? Because I, I, not, of it, not a lot of it is planned, but, you know, I've had the pleasure of, of, of playing with you a number of times and I find it to be a really unique aspect to your show. Is this something that's intentional, really, or just kind of your personality shining through? You know, I think it started as a defense mechanism when I was a kid, you know, just I didn't feel like I fit in. So I would be the Joker. And that that kind of got me in with uh, with different groups of people. And when I'm on stage, I don't generally know what I'm going to say next. Um, sometimes things really go over well and then I'll repeat them the next time or the next time or the next time. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of who I am. And And some of my favorite concerts that I've been to have been people who who can make me laugh between songs especially if you sing something that just breaks your heart and then you come back with something hilarious it just sort of breaks that tension in that moment and you can move on without going okay well now we're going to sing a song about bacon and uh i know you're crying you know like you can just sort of bring it in with with humor and that's just it comes naturally to me i to to be humorous and uh, it makes me feel comfortable mm. I can see that it's so effective in your show and you do it oh, so thank well. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. So something I really wanted to ask you is we've had the perspective, people talk from the perspective of being a side musician on this show before. And then I, I was thinking that maybe you could give us a little bit of insight on the opposite perspective, right? Being an artist who may hire side people and what that looks like and what that process is like for you. Um, you know what? I have, uh, I have a group of people that I enjoy playing with. Um, as a, as a, a, you know, I guess the, the lead artist or the solo artist, um, it's wonderful for me that I can play an instrument because if I can get a lot of shows, because people don't necessarily want to pay for, pay a lot for music. So if you can get me solo, that's great. Um, uh, because it costs less. So, you know, that's wonderful. But as far as hiring side musicians, I'm always blown away when I ask somebody to play with me and they say yes. <laughs> you know, like um, the people that I play with, uh, I just think are are exemplary musicians. Jory's played with me. I, you know, I, I'm always blown away by the people who agree to come and play with me because I always feel like I'm just sort of playing at life. Pretty soon, people are going to figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> and so <laughs> um, I'm always very excited when when a, a side musician will come in. It. And when I first began, I, I, I would work with anybody who would work with me. And uh, sometimes it was great and sometimes not so much, especially when you're touring, you might go to a place and they say, well, we have a house band and they're incredible. So send them your charts and, and you get there and it's not good. And, uh, and other times it's, it's, it's excellent. Um, so I'm, I'm learning to become a little more discerning when it comes to who I hire uh, simply because I want to have the same quality of, of product, whether I'm by myself or in a duo or a trio or have a five piece, I want it to be excellent. And so, um, yeah. And I think as, as, uh, as a lead person, it's, it's great to have a team of people. So I've got my core, but not everybody can make it all the time. And so I've got these other people who are happy to step in when I, when I need a bassist, I know Jory will come if he's available. And so it's, it's wonderful to have it, like have a band, 
but that but it's really a team because today today on bass we're having jory instead of lisa or today instead of having aaron on guitar we're going to have john on piano and so it's uh and it's really cool because it kind of gives more more variety to to the music one thing i absolutely love about playing with uh, playing with side people is the call the collaboration the music sounds different when joy plays than when lisa plays and i love it i love it because it brings new energy to the music and so something i'm uh you know the way i sing the song might change in any given in every any given moment because oh my you know john just played this amazing chord and now i'm feeling sentimental as opposed to i don't want to shout the words i want to i want to whisper them and I've got so many wonderful people in my, on my team that if I hunch my back a little bit, everybody knows, oh, she's quieting down. It's never been discussed. It just happens. Oh, she's about to whisper. It's time to, it's, you know, it's, it's wonderful to have this group of people that I work with. Okay. <laughs> Juno, she always needs attention when I'm on the video. I see. Hi, Juno. Yes, this is Juno. And this is, I'd like to thank the Academy. For my <laughs> Amy, on the on the uh, while we're on the topic of of, of side musicians, um, I, I really appreciate the fact that you have really wonderful charts that that mm. are that your your songs are charted and they're easy to follow and they have the lyrics on them and everything and it makes a world of difference. Oh. Um, how, how do you who does your charts? How do you do that? Um, um, I make my own charts, and and usually they're a work in progress because the songs change over time and I might have messed something up and. Uh, but generally I, I use Sibelius and a lot of my charts, sometimes they're notated. Most of the time, it's just little ticks for each beat. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want them to be readable by anybody. So, yeah, and they, cer they certainly are. And it makes it, it makes it so much easier. Is that the same program you use when, when you have an iP uh, an iPad there as well? And you have the, your foot switch? No, that's uh, the program I use for that is called OnSong. And so I take my PDFs of the charts I've made, I plop them into OnSong and, and I love that with the little foot switch because, I mean, generally I don't need to read my own music, but sometimes I do, you know, especially if it's a, if it's a new song, I tend to write a song on Tuesday and say, okay, band, <laughs> here's a new song and it goes a little like this. And, uh, and so it's nice to have that foot switch there too. Yeah. And it's, it's wonderful now with the, with the, the way technology has gone, because I mean, I remember used to, print binders for my band and just you know they might know the song but i take their binders home and then oh i'm gonna change things around so i take all the music out put it all in the, the right order put it back in this is just so much nicer i send out an email a couple days before the show here's the order of songs you might want to have a look at this one because it's new and and it's great if there's a rehearsal that's that's even better but if there isn't that's another thing about the the, the great musicians i work with is that they know me well enough that if I start a song, they'll join in, and uh, and and it's it's wonderful. Often yeah, the audience I mean, won't know know they've never heard the song before. <laughs> um, as a as an artist, how can you prepare your side go? How how can you prepare your your side musicians to do the best job that they can do? What sort of things do you need to be aware of? Um, uh, what sort of advice can you give an artist that is going to work with side men and how to? Uh, approach that i think when you're starting out um you it's really important to rehearse and if you have it in your budget pay your sidemen to come to those rehearsals people take things like 
it's time, right? We need to respect the time of the musician. So if you can pay it or say, you know what, I'm going to pay you a little extra the night of the gig because of this, you know, that's, that's important. If you can, if it's in your budget, because if you're, if you've got a band and your band is called Mississippi Steamboat, like my band was, then we all get together and we all have a stake in it. It's our project. But as a solo artist, this is my project. And so I need to respect the people who I hire um, and make sure that I one clear charts are important because you don't want anybody having to make any guesses. And if it means that at rehearsal, we find some mistakes in the charts. Great. You can make those changes on your charts. I can then take my, those changes and bring them to the computer and, and, and fix them and resend those charts out. Um, but yeah, a rehearsal is, is, is key. And I think letting your side men, your side bandmates, uh, be a part of the process of creating a sound. You don't, if you don't like the sound, you can change it. You can say, ah, I didn't really like that. It's a little too country for me. Um, but let people put their own stamp on your music because when people are invested that way, they, they feel like they're part of the creative process of it. They're not just there playing the notes. They're actually take some ownership of what they're putting into the music. That's awesome. And I wanted to ask when you were first starting out, how did you find the best way to network and meet other people to play with? I found going to open mics was really good. You go to an open mic, you play a song or two and you talk to people, you know, listen to somebody play and go, you know what? I really love the way you write. Uh, would you like to write together? And you create a, you create a group of people that you, that you like, that are like-minded and, um, and, and you can benefit from knowing one another, you know, um, I think that's, I think that's the best way is to go to open mics, go to songwriting groups. Um, even online, there are, there are different groups online where you can meet different people. But I, I find that going out, uh, participating in the community is, is good. Speaking of collaborations, what does your songwriting process look like? Um, you know, are you lyrics first, music first, both? Or what's it like when you work, write with other people? How do you, how do you do that? Usually I get inspired when I'm distracted. And so I keep my phone nearby. I do voice memos all the time. How about something like this with this kind of twist, blah, 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 blah. And often it'll stay in my phone for years before I even do anything with it. Um, generally for me, I'll be sitting with my guitar practicing something else like, okay, this is what we're going to sing on Friday. So I'll practice it. And then I'll just start playing and that'll sound like something to me. It'll bring a feeling out in me and I, I'll, you know, search to try and identify what that feeling is. And then I'll start writing. If a song is hard for me to write, I'll generally bring in a, a co-writer. You know, I, I wrote a song called Perfect and Broken. And uh, the first line is I'm bad at being in love and I'm bad at being alone. I'm lost when I find myself without somebody's arms to call home. And I, uh, I was in a relationship with, with my partner and thought, well, if I write this, she's, she's going to think it's about her. And how do I write it? It was, I found it really difficult mm. to write it. So I actually sat with Lisa and she, she and I had a long conversation. It felt like a therapy session. And we just sort of kind of got through, she's like, well, why do you have to write a song and sing it in public? Just write the song and let it be written. And so we started writing the song 
thinking nobody's ever going to hear the song. And it was just writing it out for therapy. And it's probably one of the best songs I've ever written mm-hmm. in my, like for me, it, it's so full of truth that it hurts. And that, that to me, it was, it was a great way to write a song, but my, I don't have a, a, sometimes I'll be in my car and I'm like, Oh, I love this idea. And I'll start singing something and there'll be words or I'll, I'll have a piece of poetry in my mind and I'll, and it'll be words. And sometimes it's music. And then sometimes it all comes at once. I love collaboration though, because um, a song you can, you can get more out of a song when, when there's more than one heart in it. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, I wish there was a concrete way of me saying, well, it's, it's this. I I write the verses and then I write the chorus. I, I don't. I the song that I wrote with the, with the help of Nikki Six. I sat in the garage and I just pounded away on my electric guitar because I was mm-hmm. angry. I wanted it to be an angry song, and then we kind of went back and forth over the course of a few weeks. I sent him the song. He sent me some ideas back. I sent him another. Uh, I sent it back to him. And we went back and forth for a little bit and uh and then that like the song was almost all written when i sent it to him and then what he changed in the song was so epic like it was um you know uh i tend to stick to the same chords when i write a song except for when i go to the bridge so chorus and verse generally are in the same chords and often are even in the same order i only changed the melody of the vocal and and so he changed it to from going from uh, I guess it would be an E E minor to a G. He's like, go from the E minor to an E flat minor, and it was like, oh, like it was this killer transition that I would never ever have thought of on my own. And so collaboration, I think, is is wonderful. I'll finish a song every single lyric, and if somebody wants to weigh in on it, I'll be very happy to to at least hear what they have to say unless I'm completely satisfied with the song because going to that E flat minor changed that song. It, 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 the impact was incredible and I never would have thought to do it. For those, uh, to, for those that are listening uh, that are on the younger side that might not know who Nikki Six is, uh, Nikki Six is a, uh, the songwriter uh, and bass player and basically the heart behind a, a band called Motley Crue. Um, that was a very, one of the you know biggest bands in the world. So if you don't know Motley Crue, go check them out. And yeah. Nikki Six is a bass player that uh, that Amy is talking about that she worked with on her time uh, on CTV's The Launch. Um, which would you mind us asking you about that a little bit? I, I was sure. wondering about your experience there. Um, uh, what did you learn from that experience, and what was it like? Because it must have been something that you, like something obviously you've never done before. I'd never done something on that scale before. Um... And honestly, when I went to do it, I I didn't I didn't think it was going to be as big as it was. I thought, well, CTV the launch, it's probably like, I don't know, the breakfast show, you know, like in the, the local breakfast show, You're right. you know, like not. I, I I just wasn't. I tend to not ever see the the huge picture until I'm standing in the middle of it, and I'm like, oh, well, isn't that neat? So I went, and um. It was incredible. I, I felt very respected as a, as a musician, as an artist, as a singer. Um, I felt heard, you know. Um, but what I, what I got from it mostly uh, was a mental equivalent of what life could be like if I continue on the path I'm on. 
And, um, and I don't know if I'll ever experience that sort of, you know, I had a handler and I had a dressing room and, you know, they brought me my lunch and it was, you know, kind of lovely. And I don't know if I, if that will ever be my reality, but it was really neat to know what that feels like, Mm -hmm. because when you know what something feels like, you can create that feeling in whatever you're experiencing in the moment. So I could be singing on CTV's the launch in front of 2 million people and have this feeling of like, whoa, this is, I'm so excited. And, and what so much hope and, and these huge dreams popping in my, in my mind. And then I can go and sing in front of 30 people and bring that feeling back. And so, so that every experience can still be exciting and new and, you know, I have the idea that the the more grateful you are with where you are, the more you receive to get grateful for. And so that's kind of where, where I am with that. Like the mental equivalent gives me the opportunity to reach for those same feelings, maybe when something isn't as exciting or as glamorous as that, I can still feel that way. I can still be very grateful and, and full of hope and full of dreams, you know, because I think one, I deserve to have that feeling, but also the people who I sing for deserve for me to share that feeling with them. And when I, and I think that's why the following that I have follows me because I, they can feel the gratitude in being able to share with whether it's 30 people or I sang in front of 17,000 people. And that was really exciting too. So, you know, um, just to know that whenever I am sharing, I'm giving all that I can and, and bringing that feeling into my, into who I am and into the every performance. I think I'm doing myself a service and doing a service to others as well by sharing it. On that same and, note, um, sorry, Jerry. No, no, Betty, you go. Um, so do you find like, obviously you play a lot of different types of shows and you have played with a lot of different people. Um, but there's obviously a difference between playing to 30 people or playing to 2 million people. And to be able to put on the same show and give the audience the same energy, how do you deal with nerves playing on stage to that, to that many people? Well, um, I had nerves when I was on the launch because uh, that, I mean, that, uh, that level of amount of people, that, that's something that was unknown to me. And, um, but usually for me, nerves go away after the first two bars of singing because I just go within and know that, you know, like when I sang Hallelujah, which was the first song I did for my audition on that show, the first couple lines, I w- the first couple bars of me singing, I was jittery. And then I was, I was like, you got to let this go because you, you just breathe and let it go. These are three people sitting in front of me. They're three. There's cameras, but there's three people and they need to see what I can offer. And so I do a lot of mental, a little, a lot of dialogue with myself, you know, just breathe, know that this is just three people know that you are, you are, are more than enough to fill this room, you know, with your voice and with your spirit and with your energy. And, um, but when it comes to singing with, uh, you know, in front of, any crowd, I don't tend to get nervous anymore. I, um, there's this little energy that comes up, but I, I feel that's more of an excitement than, 
than nervous. And, and, you know, I've heard of a zillion times that it's the same feeling when you're nervous or when you're excited, it's the same. It's what you label it. And so with the power of your mind, you can label it with excitement rather than nerves and make it into something positive as opposed to something that's, you know, unknown. So that's a wonderful perspective. I, I like how you frame that. That's very cool. What uh, might be something, maybe, maybe you had no negative experiences on your time with the launch and that sort of um, exposure, but are, are there some aspects to that that you didn't expect or that you found out that you didn't like? Well, I, I, the most negative thing I experienced on the launch was that I didn't win. And, uh, cause nobody goes into any sort of, any sort of competition or race or to say, Whoa, I'm, I'm second. You know, I didn't win and I didn't like it, but I also look at that and, and there's a lot of freedom in not winning. You know, had I won, I would have been tied to certain contracts. Had I won, I may, I may or may not write a song and that song may or may not ever be released as an independent artist. I can continue my career, uh, where I'm in control, but now I've got an extra 2 million people who've seen me, you know, I've got people on the West coast, on the East coast. I have people who send me emails from Africa because they played the show there. So, you know, my reach has gone, is, has, uh, has really grown. And, um, and so that's really where it's, where the, where the major benefit has been. Um, as far as any negatives, I, if there were negatives, I, I don't remember them. You know, I don't tend to hang on. I don't, I try not to hang on to that kind of stuff. I'm trying to think. The only thing I didn't really like was uh, Nikki Six asking me to smash a guitar. He's like, you know, you're usually hang behind your guitar. I think what we should do is start the song holding on to your guitar and then just smash it. And I'm, I'm like, uh, and he said, well, not this guitar, that not your Gibson. We'll get you a real cheap old guitar. And I just, I, I said, um, I can't do that. Uh -huh. And he was very surprised that I said, no, he said, well, why? And I said, because there are thousands and thousands of people in the world who can't even afford a $50 guitar. Mm -hmm. And if I smash one, I'm stealing their songs. Mm -hmm. You know, like somebody could take this $50 guitar. I said, if you'd like, I can toss the guitar into somebody to catch it. No, that's okay. Okay. You know, and, and also doing that would, would have just been disingenuous. It's not something I would do. I, Amy Bishop would not ever smash a guitar, even if it had already been smashed. I, I just, I guess destroying something is not something I want to be seen doing. Yeah. So. Good point. Um, shifting gears for a little bit. Um, it's pride week. Happy Pride Week. Thank you. I, you know, I, I was wondering if you could speak uh, a, a, little to, a little bit as to what it's like um, maybe to, to be a, a minority artist um, and what can young artists do to maybe come to peace with themselves and their situation and how can they mm. express themselves, how music has helped you uh, in that regard? Well... I've never thought of myself as a, I, I, I suppose I am I'm a, a minority musician, but I've never thought about myself that way because I, I enjoy so many other privileges, uh, you know? And so, um, but I, I, I guess as a gay musician, I, 
I suppose the, the best advice I could give another gay artist is just to really try to be who you are. You know, I, for many years as a gay person and as a gay musician, I would, wouldn't really talk about my sexuality when I was on stage. I wouldn't talk about my partner or anything like that. And then probably, I don't know, somewhere around 2001, 2002, maybe a little later than that, probably later. Um, I stopped telling people I was gay. I would always say, meet you. Okay, Jory, we're now friends. And I need to tell you something, buddy. And, and, and I would sit you down and I, this is where I would feel my nerves, Maddie, you know, sitting people down and saying, I just want to let you know that I am a lesbian. And, and I was basically giving people permission to judge me. People can judge me all they want. I don't need, they don't need my permission, but I was giving them permission and I was giving them permission to, to believe that there was something less about me and that there was something different or wrong with me because here I am now introducing the fact that I am different and I'm, and I'm, you know, I hope you still accept me. I hope you still love me. I hope you still want to be my friend. And I stopped doing that. I figure if people don't know I'm gay, they're going to find out. Because I'm going to say, oh, my partner, Angie, this. And, you know, when, the first time I kissed so-and-so. Or, and, I'm, and, and I'm just going to be normal. As a straight person in the world, when you say goodbye to your partner, you kiss them. As a gay person, you would walk behind the building and steal a kiss and then go. And I stopped doing that. I just started behaving as if I were, as if I were a normal person. Because I am, you know. I just, I love the way I love and that's okay. And so my, my best advice for another musician is write songs that are true for you. Be true to who you are as long as you're comfortable doing that. If you're not comfortable doing that, then be true to who you're comfortable sharing. You know, it's, it's not up to me to, to decide that it's time for somebody else to be more truthful in their songwriting or, you know, whatever. I wrote a song um, a- about a woman and the she, she, she was all through the song and I had a producer say, can we change that to he? And I said, no, mm-hmm. no, I can change it to you. I can make it non-gendered. And so on the, on the CD that I did, I did a non-gendered version of the song and a, and a, a, a pride version of the song. Oh, so that, because the song was written, she, her, and, um, and, but, you know, and it really pushed me to, to try and change it to you, but it really worked really well, actually, as you. Um, do you think that's a struggle? Uh, you, how much do you, I mean, do you think that that is taken in, into consideration in songs? Uh, do you think, um, okay, I don't know what I'm trying to ask here. Um, how guarded were you before um, about lyrics and stuff, or have you always been uh, free to express yourself? I was very guarded for a long time. And now I, many times I'll write and they'll still be genderless because I, when I was a kid, I remember listening to any radio station and I'd always wish that I was the boy in the song that the girl was singing to, or that it was a girl singing to a girl. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's not like, and when there was a song that was just like, I love you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it was like, that could be to anybody. And that mm-hmm. means I'm included in it. And so it was not, it, it, 
I still write a lot of genderless songs because I could be a woman singing to a man. I could be a woman singing to a woman. I could be a woman singing to her non-binary partner. And so, but when I want to be more personal, I do say she in songs and I didn't for a really long time. I was very purposefully saying you or us or your, like, because I didn't want to make other people uncomfortable at this, at the, at the sacrifice of making myself uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I am of a very strong belief that no one will ever get used to people who are different than they are unless they see it and experience people who are different than they are. So as a gay person, if I'm not who I am, then I'm one, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting myself. It, it feels like a lie when I keep a secret. And when I'm not being who I am, I'm also doing a disservice to the people around me because they don't get to love the Amy that really exists. They're loving this, this mirage or this, this, made up part of me. Um, and so if I stand on a stage and I talk about my wife, it might take a person aback the first time they hear it. Oh, oh, she's gay. Did you know she was gay? Oh my God, I didn't know she was gay. Okay, she's gay, blah, 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 blah. But she's still kind of talented. Yeah, she's so funny. <laughs> and so now the equate, there's a gay person who entertains me and she's talented and she's funny, but she's gay. Okay, I know a gay person. You know, so this is me back 15 years ago when I started to just be who I am. And now when I say my wife, nobody even blinks because they're used to it. And so I feel like I'm, I'm actually changing the way that people see uh, gay and lesbian, you know, the whole LGBTQ2 plus, 2S plus, you know, community because it becomes normal. I, I remember you know, I pay my taxes just like that guy pays his taxes. So there's nothing different about me except for the gender of my spouse. And, uh, and that, that shouldn't matter to anybody but me. So I don't know if I answered your question. I, I went on. No, you certainly did. And you gave some wonderful insight. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I just like to ask, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, if you were just starting out in music, or I guess to young musicians in general, just just beginning. How much of a family show is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's a it's a real show. Let's um, be real. Yeah. I would tell my 13, 14, 15 year old self to stop giving so much of a shit what other people think. It's like that's our biggest thing. When you see the joy in a little baby's eyes before they realize that other people are out there looking at them. It's incredible. And I've, you know, it gets lost because somebody's out there and they don't like me. And I, oh, it's, and it, it breaks us to have all of these ideas that we're not good enough. And so like, just to let go of what you think other people are thinking of you. Most of the time, people are too busy in their own brains to even have time to judge me. So the judgment always begins here, right? So that's, I think that would be the biggest thing I would tell my, my, uh, my younger self would be stop caring so much what other people think and try and figure out what you think. Um, another thing I would do is I'd go back to my 16 year old self and I would tell myself I wasn't fat. 
that would be the big a big thing too because when i was 16 somebody asked me what it felt like to be the fat kid in high school and i didn't realize i was fat because i wasn't i was about 175 pounds wow you know i was i was physically i was bigger than every other girl but it was i was very fit and, but i but she she asked she told me i was fat and i I cultivated a belief that I was fat and I created a body that matched my belief. And so I think I would do that too. I would go back and, and heal that wound instead of waiting 30 years. That's great advice. Yeah. It's great advice. I'm sure that, um, you know, it's, that's going to be important for a lot of people to hear. Yeah. So mm -hmm. thank you, Amy. Mm -hmm. um, we've really enjoyed having you here and it's been wonderful talking to you. Oh, thank um, you very much. Yeah. You know, the time really just flew me. by. Yeah. <laughs> we can find your music where um on itunes and all of the digital digital media stuff um i'd like really appreciate anybody going to the youtube page and subscribing and that kind of stuff that'd be great and, and amy uh, amybishopmusic.com is is uh, your website correct yeah amybishopmusic.com is my website and uh yeah you can go there it hasn't really been updated since covid so not <laughs> much i get a lot of information but i'm i'm pretty active on instagram and and on uh on facebook so if you want to find me you can find me there and uh, of course on youtube wonderful thank you much so much for sharing oh thank you maddie thank you for having thank me that's been wonderful talking to you amy thank you very much we hope to have you back sometime yeah, that'd be great thank you Bye.